to grow on the go. So I am excited because I actually have a guest here with me physically in the blanket fort today. And her name is Rose Hennig. Thank you for coming, Rose. Oh, thank you for inviting me. So Rose and I have just been getting to know each other um, through mutual friends, um, sort of Mm -hmm. over the last, well, just before COVID. That's right. Wrecked everything. (laughs) But we have managed to do a few camping trips together. And Mm -hmm. it's been really, really great getting to know you and your husband, Brian. Yes, we've enjoyed we've enjoyed spending our time with you as well. So awesome. Well, one of the things we always get talking about, or I love to talk about with with people when I'm getting to know them, is what are you reading, and what are you reading that's really, you know, um, stirring your brain a little bit. And we talked about that in the in the spring, and you told me about a book you were reading. So just tell us what it's called, the title, and just a kind of maybe a little bit of an overview. Right. Okay, well, the the book is entitled Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes, and it's by Randolph Richards and Brandon J. O'Brien. And um, I was given this book um, from a friend who said, you you have to read this book. It's really eye-opening. So many years ago, I was involved with um, a precept Bible study. And through precept, I learned the importance of understanding Um, and looking at the historical words of the Bible through a microscope to get a greater meaning of what scripture was trying to tell us, Mm. right? Whether that was through Greek or Hebrew. Um, So when I came across this book, I realized that my Western viewpoint was also changing sometimes the meaning of the way I was reading my Bible, Ah. which was fascinating to me. Right. So um, although the book is written um, primarily to a uh, U.S. audience, really it's, it's a North American audience. Okay. Um, you know, uh, it's just we as Canadians... kind of forget we're here sometimes. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think that's right. Um, but reading it through uh, from a Canadian perspective, there's tons here that we can appreciate and, and uh, certainly identify with. Um, there's I, the ideas of um, ethnicity, uh, cultural diversity, uh, different language barriers, even sometimes how we view time. Um, you know, in non-Western cultures, those things are different from our culture. And it certainly was tr- that was very true in biblical times. It's right? interesting you mentioned time. Uh, we did a, a, a book and speaking tour in South Africa a few years ago, and people use the term now right now and now now ah, and they all mean different things and right we, and we're like okay you gotta explain this to us because we don't get it yeah yeah and mm-hmm. so north americans view time in a very different way sometimes than other areas mm-hmm. and 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 i found that as i read the book that was very true in biblical times as well too so all those things kind of opened up my eyes to how uh we can misread there's the idea of uh, right versus wrong, which is very much a North American mindset. Oh. But in biblical times, it would have been shame versus honor. That oh. would have been the mindset um, in biblical times. And so even just looking at that one instance, we can take and think of the, the, the Christmas story. 
Mary gets pregnant. Mm -hmm. And um, we think of it kind of with our with our right versus wrong, but there it would have been an honor and shame. And so Mary would have brought great shame to herself, to her family, to her family to be. And Joseph, because he loved her so much, wanted to sh to spare her from that shame. Right. Right. He wasn't thinking, oh, this was wrong. It's the shame that he was trying to to um, to circumvent. And so um, that's why it says, uh, you know, in Matthew that he was considering to divorce her quietly because he didn't want to bring attention to it and bring on that shame. Right. OK, well, that's that's really interesting. Now, there's so many you mentioned race was one of the issues or mm -hmm. ethnicity, um, one of the issues that um, we misread in, mm -hmm. in the Bible because of our, our Western mindset. Um, there are so many racial topics that have been filling the news, especially during COVID. It seems to have mm -hmm. risen to the surface. Um, you know, in, in the U.S., there was the George Floyd shooting. In, right. uh, in Canada, we've, we've been discovering bodies mm -hmm. of children uh, buried near residential schools. Um, horrific, all of it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm interested in the idea that I read my Bible through my own ethnic and cultural biases. What did the book teach you about that? Well, certainly um, the people of the Bible are no strangers to distinguishing between different people groups. Um, and so there's lots of different uh, references to uh, uh, different cultures and ethnicities. Um, but oftentimes um, when we're mentioning um, someone's ethnic background, it's actually referring much, much more to than to just where they came from. So, for example, in the Old Testament, we we uh, read that Moses had a Cushite wife, right? Or that Ruth was a Moabite. Or in Daniel, here's a here's a prime example. In Daniel, we see four Jewish men who are shipped off to Babylon, and then they're proceeded to be stripped of their entire Jewish identity right. and they, given Babylonian names. Yeah, they basically go to Babylonian immersion school. Yes, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And so if we, if we just kind of gloss over that, we mm. kind of miss why was that actually there? You know what? An even more pertinent example would be, I mean, it was, it was what Canadians were doing to First Nations children. Yes. Right? Trying to strip them of their of their heritage and their identity yeah yeah, yeah. wow and um so there's lots even though it's written you know that's what i love about the bible and studying the bible is that even though it was written to an audience that has long since passed there's such truth there behind those principles for us in our current day culture right right so um so yeah that was just uh you know some of the examples um, you know, uh, one, one of the things that I found kind of funny was in, um, Genesis 27, 46, Isaac's wife, Rebecca, there, Isaac and Rebecca are talking about getting a daughter, a uh, daughter-in-law for their son. Right. Shopping. And, and shopping yes, they're shopping. And well. she makes the comment and, uh, quite, quite emphatically, I'm sick and tired of these local Hittite women. I would rather die than see Jacob marry one of them. Wow. Yeah. 
So, and these are the people they're living among. Yes. Yes. Wow. So, hmm. you know, they, uh, one of the things that I found as I was reading this is that um, in, in our current culture, we try to hide some of that stuff. But in biblical culture, they were just very blunt about it. It wasn't, it wasn't anything to talk about. And, and even in that circumstance where she makes that comment, I remember thinking, you, you kind of take your own background and you play into that. Because it never does say in the Bible why she disliked the Hittite women. Right. But we start to take and draw from our own experiences and our own, you know, um, ethnic prejudices, maybe. So do you have an example in mind of that? Well, I do. I do. Um, so, uh, you know, um, uh, several years ago, we were at a gas station. And um, uh, there was an African woman that became we became friends with that was working at the gas station. And my immediate thought was, because this is where she was working, that she was uneducated. Mm. Because this is what she could do. And as we developed a relationship, I found out that she was a doctor. Oh, my goodness. She was far more educated than I ever was. Right. Um, but because her, her education wasn't um, recognized. recognized here, mm -hmm. she couldn't work in her chosen field. Oh, my goodness. So she ends up at a gas station. Because that was the only place that she could find for work to help feed her family. Yeah. And so that just really put a spotlight on my own prejudices. Right. right? That... You never know what these people's backgrounds are, what, you know, these friends that are beautiful, beautiful people. And we make kind of judgment calls all the time mm -hmm. based on based on our own experiences. Right. Right. So and appearances and mm -hmm. all, all kinds of other things. But you're right. We bring our own little set of preconceived ideas to every person we meet. That's right. Wow. That's right. OK. Um. So. How does being aware then of ethnic generalizations, how can that cause us to miss details in our Bible reading? Okay, so um, we, just, we just have to be aware that when the Bible talks about different cultural things, it's there for a reason, mm. right? The book uh, went into detail about a... Uh, term that they called colorblind. Um, and the way they define colorblind uh, is an attempt for people to not make a distinction based on a person's skin color, um, that the belief that ethnic differences don't matter. So that's how they kind of termed the, the, the term colorblind. colorblind. And I think as Christians, we can we kind of identify with that or we can identify with it. But the, the book said, um, while that may sound honorable, um, there is a difference between seeing people as being the same versus being equal. Right. And so while... I strongly believe, and, and the book would emphasize that too, is that people should be treated with equal dignity and enjoy similar rights. We lose something if we try to make everybody the same. Oh, absolutely. Right? Um, so um, I have some wonderful Nigerian friends that are part of our church congregation, and we've become very, very close with this family. And... Um, 
I love the way that they celebrate during our worship times. Mm. I mean, they just, mm. their worship times, it's just so full of expression and joy. And I, I think African cultures generally um, are just more free to express emotion, whether mm. it's grief or joy or worship or whatever. I, I totally, and I totally I, agree. I have often looked at that and felt kind of envious. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, they, and they, and they pray differently. There's a depth in their prayers mm. because they're just, like you said, they're just kind of wearing their hearts on their sleeves, yeah, right? Yeah. And they're not they're they they're not bound by some of the conventions the that we have. Upper lip. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so I would think that to 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 say that my Nigerian friends have to be the same as me or I have to be the same as them would lose something in the body of Christ. I agree. And isn't heaven gonna be an amazing um mosaic mm -hmm. of, of all these beautiful human cultures. That's right. Redeemed by God. Wow. I'm excited. Yes. And so I think <laughs> while, while we want to treat everybody with equality and respect, um, I think we have to, we have to not be scared to notice the differences mm -hmm. amongst our cultures. And in, in so doing, then rather than but notice them in a positive way. Yes. How do they add to what we know of the body of Christ? How do their worship, the way they pray, bring new meaning to what I can be doing? Mm. Right? So it, it becomes an add-on, not of in instead of. Mm -hmm. One of the things I'm really appreciating as I learn more about First Nations culture is that um, their, their care for creation Mm. Um, that, you know, Westerners, I mean, we pretty much moved in and raped and pillaged, you know, <laughs> yes. the, the land. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the conflict that happened between Western or the Western people, I mean, obviously the First Nations people were mm -hmm. the original Western people. But um, when I think of Europe, people of European background, mm -hmm. the, the conflict that existed because of such different views of caring for creation. Mm -hmm. And and they were right and we were wrong. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's so much that we have to learn. Yes. If, yeah. we, if we look for those differences yeah. in a positive way. Yeah. And, and um, I think I think the writers of the Bible and their audience see that I don't see them as having that same issue. Um, they were more than happy to make generalizations about someone's ethnic background without the appearance of being racist. Like that seems to not have come across their mind whatsoever. Mm -hmm. yeah. In fact, even mm -hmm. to the point of not even thinking that they were not Christ followers in, in respect of doing this. And, and while I, I don't think that they were... Um, necessarily right in doing that. Um, we shouldn't applaud them for that. I think it it really adds to noticing those kind of things, right? So in the book, he, he talks about people be, being cultural schizophrenics. Oh. How, we, how we notice all these ethnic differences or differences in culture. And we do, but we do it in private because it's not politically correct right. to do it outwardly. So we do we notice it in private and we we mull over it and do that in private. But then when we get into public, we put on a different persona that we don't even notice that it's there. Interesting. And he said 
that's kind of some, especially as we as we read our Bibles too. That's kind of hard to do that and not have it affect how we view the people that that scripture is talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a, a great um, a great example of this is um, Philip and Nathaniel. Uh, you know. Um, they didn't. They didn't mind bringing out into the open these cultural differences. So Philip comes up to uh, Nathaniel and he says, "Hey, you know, we found the Messiah." Mm-hmm. And um, this is when Philip's jogging alongside in Nathaniel's chariot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he says, hey, "You know what? We found. We found. We found uh, uh, Jesus. Or uh, uh, the Messiah. His name is Jesus." Uh, he's the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And of course, what's Nathaniel's response? <laughs> Did anything good ever come from Nazareth? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. See, because mm. Nazareth, um, as I found out later, as I dug deeper into this, Nazareth was despised by the Jews. Oh. Because Nazareth um, uh, opened, their, uh, opened up their town to a Roman garrison. So it's like they became traitors by oh. welcoming the Romans. Almost like the, the Vichy France uh, scenario in World War II. Yes. And so they were despised. And so they, now, right, rightly or wrongly, they became to have a reputation that um, there was poor morals oh. in from Nazareth. Mm-hmm. That because they were chosen to have this Roman army, that they had kind of had a bit of a superiority complex, a a superior attitude towards other Jews. And so knowing those kind of things, when Nathaniel makes this comment, you can see his thought process. Right. Hang on, Messiah? From Nazareth? How can he come from somewhere where they've got loose morals? Right. How could the Messiah have a superiority complex? Like, it just didn't make sense to him. Superiority, the, you mean? Or inferiority complex? A superiority, because oh. he came from Nazareth. And Nazarites thought they were better than the others. Oh. So, you know, when we know those kind of things, then we then that makes those comments just have more meaning. And that's, I think, one of the things that I took away from this book, was that... There's so much more depth there when we start to look layers at some of these and things. Layers yeah. And layers. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, wow. Um, so what kinds of things can we do to improve our biblical understanding of ethnicity? So I think, you know, being a multi-ethnic body of Christ is such a beautiful thing. And yes. we need to embrace that, not yes. try to brush over and make everything the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and in so doing, um, I think there's a couple ways that I would challenge us when we read scripture. So the first one is we need to notice, and I think I've said this before, we need to notice when um, an ethnic origin is being presented. You know, I, I learned in precept uh, that when we when you see the word therefore, therefore. you have to say, what is the therefore? Therefore, <laughs> exactly. And I think when we when we see an ethnic uh, background being presented in scripture, we kind of have to use that same logic and say, okay, why am I being told this? Right. Why right? does it matter? Why is why is this of uh, importance? 
because it's that kind of inquisitive reading and that thinking process that's going to bring us to see scripture in a more full and um, full view and perhaps even differently than we might have saw it originally, right? Prime example, in Judges 16.4, we're told of Delilah's town before we're even given her name. Hmm. So, I mean, we... When that's the case, it's like, okay, why would they tell us where she came from Mm -hmm. before they even tell us who she is? Right. Right. And we learn later as we as we start to dig into that, um, Samson has been called by God. He's a Nazarite. So he's been called by God for a specific purpose. And his purpose was to be the pillar for God and to defeat the Philistines. Right. So how ironic that he falls in love and marries a Philistine. Right. Right? So... Um, Slight conflict of interest there. Yes, exactly. Um, so that so that's kind of the first part, to, to take and notice these things as you're reading. Mm-hmm. And, and not to just gloss over it. Take a, take a deeper look into what that... Mm-hmm. Why is it there? So, Rose, for people who maybe, you know, they haven't done precept, they, they don't mm-hmm. know a lot of the rules of hermeneutics... Mm-hmm. Um, which is just the study of the study of the Bible. Um, where would you send these people to dig deeper? Well, you know, I, and I, I use this with a grain of caution, but we have the Internet is a resource for yes. us, right? Yes. So even if um, I would be careful in going into some of the doctrine parts, because you may get some, you might be put to a site that has some false doctrine. Right. But when it comes to something like, what does it mean to be a Nazarite? Mm-hmm. Those kind of things Even are, Wikipedia is helpful for exactly. stuff like that. But sites like um, um, Blue Bible yes. and Bible Hub. Um, yes. Can you think of a few others? Well, mm-hmm. you know, I would say even as you do your Google search, just check who where the background is for right. this. Who's right. publishing this yes. and what their background yeah, is. Because there's lots of cults. Exactly. Um, and, and just really fringe groups that, mm-hmm. that publish stuff too. Okay. But even things like mm-hmm. Wikipedia, like if you're looking up you know where what was the significance of bethlehem where where was bethlehem located mm-hmm. compared to jerusalem mm-hmm. and and those kind of things you know there's not too, there's not too much wrong that you can get about places and right. things like that right. right so so yes the internet is a wonderful resource there's lots of great christian encyclopedias and things like that that mm-hmm. you could tap into as well so um that would be a, a good place to to go with that um the, the second part um, would pro- of my challenge would probably be to come to terms with our own assumptions about race and ethnicity. We kind of touched on this, how, you know, all of us probably privately have some of those assumptions that we've made. Like I did, ma- like I made about my African friend mm-hmm. who worked at the gas station, mm-hmm. right? And, and sometimes we're not even aware of the exactly. prejudices we have. Yes, absolutely. And so to to start to think about, okay, you know, what does that look like for me? So that as I we go into Bible teaching, we don't become sidetracked by it, right? Um, you know, I'm reminded in Colossians, uh, Paul tells his Christian audience who are living in the middle of a Roman world filled with race, prejudicism, tensions between a whole bunch of different groups like it was just everywhere right. as i as as you read through it right and and he says he he says you know 
here there is no Greek or Jew. And he goes on to start to list all these different sort of ways that people had started to segregate people, right? And at the very end of that verse, he says, but Christ is all and is in all. Mm, beautiful. And I think those are such precious words. I mean, what a radical statement to make in his day and age, mm -hmm. right? And as I think about it, it's such a life-changing statement for us in our day and age. We see all the stuff that's going on with race, with, um, you know, I think even through COVID, all these different stances about what should be. And we've forgotten to keep the main thing, the mm. main thing, right? Christ is all, all and is in all. all. Oh, that's such a good word. And, I needed to hear that. And so um, I just, I just think that we... Well, we can notice differences and we need to treat them with respect. We we do need to remember that that the main thing is Christ in, in all of this. There was an important quote that came out of um, uh, the book from Jack White. And it said, the most insidious racism is among those who don't think they harbor any. Mm. And I thought that was so powerful. Is that. You know, so my, I guess my final challenge would be that, um, you know, for us to go back to God and be brave enough to ask him, you know, God, how is my thinking faulty? Mm. In what areas are my thinking faulty? And to hold that openly before him and allow him to rectify, you know, the cultural narrative that maybe you, we've become accustomed to. Yes. And, and into one that is much more pleasing to him, mm -hmm. that brings him glory and mm -hmm. honor. And, um, and then as we read through our Bibles, I think we will in turn then get a much greater understanding of what he wants for us because of that. And I think even to, even to th something that's equally important is then we have a better understanding of how he wants to live out our, how he wants us to live out our lives before him and before others. Right. In a way that letting our light shine on, uh, on a hill, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. In, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, which we are. Yes. You know, we are with all of our prejudices and the, and our, our sins that have become comfortable to us and acceptable to us. And, and it, every generation, it could be said of every generation. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I agree. Oh, Rose, that is so rich and so good. Is there is there just a final thought for us, or was that the final thought? I think mm -hmm. I think that was the final thought. Yeah. You know, just just remember as you read scripture, there's so much there. Mm -hmm. I mean, the book we went into one aspect of the book being mm -hmm. the ethnic and cultural diversity, but there's lots in the book. So. Can you just give us two or three other areas? Sure. Um, there's the thought of um, language barriers. Mm. And, you know, even in our culture, we have language barriers, but there was that too. Um, I mentioned the idea of time, how time looks different. Okay. Uh, you know, they had much more uh, thoughts about time, individualism versus collectivism. All those things are addressed oh, in the book. Oh, so good. Okay. I really hope you'll be willing to come back and do <laughs> and cover some of these other areas. But for now, um, let's re remember that Christ is all and in all. Absolutely. I love that. Um, Rose, thank you for being here. It's been so uh, informational for me and I'm sure for our listeners. Yeah. I'm Donna Carter and you've been listening to Grow on the Go.
Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com. 